Come on, so good. Isn't that, isn't that the reality? God, I think we can get uh, so caught up on what we think we see going on. They know what's going on in our world. Uh, so if, if, you, if it's time to sign up for a small group, I, if you haven't been involved in one, can I encourage you? I was just talking to somebody in the, in the first service who signed up for the first small group, said they absolutely loved it, went along the first time, just met some brand new friends that they never thought they would have had. So can I encourage you? Go, go out and uh, there's a bit of free food out there as well. There you go. Don't say we don't give you treats as well. Well, this morning uh, we're going to start our new series uh, called Leap. And how many people know that life is a non-stop journey? How many people would like to get off the train sometimes, uh, but we don't want to get off too early because God's got a plan and a purpose for our life, right? And while life is a, a non-stop journey, it's also made up of moments, uh, hundreds of small moments throughout the week that define who we become, our conversations, uh, uh, define our, our habits that become uh, our character and, and who we are. Uh, there are moments in life that seem maybe insignificant, like the meal we've just had or, or, the, or the sleep that we had, or maybe the shower we took this morning. But can I tell you, that shower you took this morning was significant, especially for the person you're sitting beside this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but some things that are, are significant and those that didn't uh, have one next Saturday night. And consistently is biblical. You know, working hard and, and, and having that discipline in our life is important. It's healthy. It's manageable. And it's sustainable. But there's a handful of moments in our life where as, as much as we want to build slowly and build consistently, we have to take a leap. We have to step beyond what we know into something that we don't know. To take extra ground, to exceed expectations, to progress further and faster than other times in our life. Now, if you've ever experienced uh, rational inertia, you're not alone. And if you're like me and you don't even know what that means, then you're probably not alone. Rational inertia. Uh, The German writer and philosopher in the uh, mid-1700s by the name of Gotthold Lessing wrote about a problem which would be named uh, Lessing's Ditch. Lessing's Ditch is the gap between past events and our current reality. So something that was seen in the past and our current reality. Lessing felt unable to believe in God's voice or miracles or truth of the Bible because for him, what happened in his past didn't rationally or, or necessarily apply to him in his present. He wrote, this is what he said, however often and however earnestly I have tried. It is the idea that just because the Bible says miracles happen, my friends say they experience God, I cannot accept it as proof that God's reality is there because it doesn't make sense to my rational brain. Anyone ever found themselves at the edge of a ditch, Lessing's ditch? So can I really trust and believe that God will? I've heard it happen for other people. I might have even seen evidence of it, but I just can't believe for it for myself. What happens when we find ourselves at that point? This was answered by the famous Danish philosopher, theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, who came up with the concept of a leap of faith. His thought was that very often and very rationally, the only way to change the state you're in is with a leap, a leap of faith. That's the only way we get beyond this point to that point, to hopefully cross the ditch. It comes with a little bit of fear and trembling. But those of us that have taken a leap, We'll see on the other side of it, God, he ordained the step. He ordained the leap for us. Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Now, when we read this verse, it's a famous verse that when you think about faith, often this is a verse that would be used. And for me, there's a lot of confidence in this verse on something that isn't actually there in substance. It's the faith and substance of things hoped for. So it's not even here yet. The evidence of things. Yes, great evidence. I can't see it yet. Is, is, is that not our journey at times where we find ourselves believing and see, but we can't actually see whether or not it's a reality? These moments require a certain level of faith, a trust of God, and a need for extra bravery. And it might feel blind, but actually it's not. It's considered, it's calculated, it's worked towards, but there's an unknown element at which we have to leap. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at taking some leaps in some areas. We're going to look today at the finances, taking a leap with our finances. What does that mean? Amy's going to speak next week about our relationships. What does it mean to take a leap in our relationships? And then Pete's going to be talking about taking a leap in our career and the job choices and the things that God is wanting us to do. Be able to share an amazing testimony of what God's been doing in Sarah and Pete's life over the, the last few months, gearing them up for massive change in their world. So would you pray with me this morning as we take a leap together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we, we can put our trust in things that we don't yet see because we know you're a God who never breaks a promise. You're a God who makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And we, we take our, our, our lead from you. We, 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 we hear uh, your words speak to us about believing in things, putting trust in our hope in things that maybe we don't see the evidence of yet. But God, you are with us. We, we do sense your presence. We do sense you moving in our lives. And we want to put our trust in you when we want to take that leap as you ask. Now, Jensen Franklin, he's one of my favorite authors and, um, and preachers. And in his book, Right Time, Right Place, Right Person, he, he says, anytime it comes to making a decision of faith, we can never find ourselves much past 80% certainty. So we can never find ourselves with complete certainty. You know, I mean, I've kind of... You know, that, that's, a, that's probably a confident 100% step. It's not really a step of faith. Let me give you another, another example. If I was to say, I'm going to take a leap of faith today, and I'm going to take Pete out for a curry afterwards. Probably not a leap of faith, even if he has a big appetite. I reckon it's probably within my budget, within my resource, to be able to buy him his goat curry. And, and you know, we... I'd, you know, we can get across the road. It'll only take us a few steps. It's not like we've got to travel far. So, so it's not really a leap of faith because I've got a pretty high certainty of achieving that with my own resource. Now, if I was to say I'm going to take you all out for a curry afterwards and the previous service, now that's a whole other leap of faith in terms of my finances. That's going to stretch me beyond what I physically have. So when we're talking about a leap of faith, we're talking about but there's a sense of knowing in us that we have to take it anyway. Uh, like the, the similar situation with the boy with the loaves and fishes in the Bible. You might know the story where, where he, he brought his lunch. He was prepared. He'd done everything he should. Everybody else was hiding their lunch, but his, his lunch was stolen by the disciples uh, or given. We don't know. Uh, we're going to say it's given because it was generous. We hope they didn't steal it. And so, so he, he provides his lunch. Now, he could have fed the person beside him. They could have shared lunch. And that would have been, Paul's had to believe that five loaves and two fishes was going to feed a multitude of people, thousands and thousands of people. 
That's a leap of faith. That's a step of faith beyond what we can physically resource ourselves. Understanding God's principles when it comes to finances are important. It's really important to to understand that Jesus spoke a lot about finances and possessions. In fact, more than any other topic in the Bible. Because he knew it was um, important to us. The Bible says where your treasure is there, your heart is. Go find somebody's checkbook and bank account, and that's probably where their heart is lying. Because, you know, most of what we do is wrapped up in our, in, in our finances. And, and if, if, if God finds our heart where our finances are, then we're in a good place. Chances are, throughout this week, some of us will have been considering a number of different things around finances in our world. Maybe you're looking to pay off a debt. Maybe you're looking to buy a home. Maybe someone, well, someone bought a home. Hey, come on. Fantastic. Well done, Haley. That's great. Maybe you're looking to book an appointment with a financial advisor. Maybe you're looking at downsizing or upsizing your home. Maybe you're looking to begin tithing, you know, taking that step of faith. Maybe you're blessing somebody with finance. You know, you're wondering whether it's God or whether it's the right thing to do, and you're wondering about that. Maybe you're looking at committing to a budget. You're going, it's been out of control. It's time to do something about it. But when it comes to finances, taking a stab in the dark is never wise. And so this morning, we're going to wrestle with the, the, the practical, but also the step of faith, the leap of faith. And taking a leap of faith is not as spontaneous as it sounds. It's calculated. It's measured. There's a preparation to get to the point where you finally leave the board. It's kind of like the, the long jump in, in the Olympic Games. You, know, you don't just stand at the board and, and, just, and just leap. You know, there's, a, there's a setup. There's a, there's a preparation. There's an eyeing of the target. And then you're heading towards that leap. And so a few steps that I, that I think can be helpful for us as we consider taking a leap of faith. The first thing is that we step back in humility. See, in the long jump, the athlete kind of rocks back as he's about, or she's about to take off towards the, the board when they're going to jump. The tower. How many people built a tower recently? You know, for me, that's a little bit more significant than just a house, right? It doesn't say if someone was wanting to build a house, I'm thinking a tower is a little bit more significant than a house. How many people want answers and do something that's bigger than ourselves? That's my goal. That's my plan. I don't want to live just for myself. I want to live bigger than myself. And if we can find ourselves with, with that headspace going, what could I do for the kingdom of God? What, what tower could I build? You know, what, what, what could I bless other people with? This is what, what he says. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? That's common sense, right? You, you, you want to go and do this thing, but there's a step that we have to take. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Come on, I don't want to be that person that doesn't finish. Now, in this passage, Jesus was actually talking about discipleship. Well, he used finance as, a, as, a, um, as an example. He was actually talking about discipleship. He was saying, when you're considering whether you'll follow, follow me, will you count the cost of taking up your cross? Because if you don't, you may be found foolish. You may be found at the end of it going, what did I give my life for? So there's a, there's a call to count the cost, but I believe the same thing applies to finances as well. Power or build a business, whatever, whatever it is we have in our heart, we can be tempted to leap in boots and all without actually having a plan. But in order to go forward, we sometimes have to step back, step back in humility, maybe take a backward step to take a forward step. 
This could mean sacrificing in your current finances, giving some things up that, that maybe you're taking as luxury in order to move forward. Buying a house is a huge leap forward, but you won't get to leap if you don't get yourself a deposit. How do you get your deposit? You've got to stop spending all that extra money on those things that probably aren't necessary. Big steps we've got to take. Having a financial plan is important. How many would agree with that? If you don't know what's, what's happening with your money, it will disappear very quickly. But if you've got a plan, you know what you can and can't spend on a week-to-week basis, then you can put money aside to be able to make good decisions for your future. So maybe God's speaking to you about something this week. Maybe you can go away and just fill in that blank there. I, I'm going to step back by, what are you going to do? What are you going to step back and what are you going to cut back so that you can ultimately step forward? The second area is we need to focus on the path. You know, in the ancient uh, Olympic Games, the runners would, would obviously set the finish line as, as, their, as, their, tar- as their goal or the, or the board in which they would leap. And uh, what would happen often, as legend tells it, as, as the runner running the race, running the 100 or the 200, competitors or, or spectators from opposing countries would roll balls of gold across their path to distract them. So the, the, the goal of achieving that victory all of a sudden is distracted by the, ooh, something shiny. <laughs> Anyone ever get distracted by something shiny? That latest toy, that latest car, that latest you know, shoes, bag, wallet, whatever, whatever it is. Come on, you know. Sparkles are nice. They, they attract us. You know, it's like, oh, yay, something sparkly. But not always necessary. Some sparkles are necessary, but not every sparkle is necessary. I'm not going to look at anyone in particular there. In any decision we make regarding our finances, let's make sure we're not blinded by greed. The opportunity to make money, to miss the purpose of why we make money. Yeah, Timothy says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. Love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, a lot of people will hear this verse wrong and, and, and say that money is evil. Money is not evil. How many people know that money can build orphanages? How many people know that money can provide medicine for people who can't afford medicine? And people know that money can build businesses that can employ people who don't have jobs. Come on, money is a good thing when it's done for the right, right reasons. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Come on, I want to build a tower. I want to build a tower of significance, a tower that, that others might benefit from. Well, that, that, that's the life, that's the legacy I want to leave. I don't want to just live my life for myself. But all of us are called to something different. Some are called to business. Some are, some are just exceptionally good at making money. That's a gift that God's put on their life. They just have an incredible business mind and the ability to, to make good decisions. Other people, their, their wage is about what they get. But, but it's not about how much, it's about what you do with what you've got. See, I've seen some very incredibly wealthy people who are so generous. And I've seen people who have virtually no resource and they're stingy and selfish. See, it's not about, you know, if you're rich, you're, you're greedy. Not at all. It's, it's what we do with what we have and what we've been given. Let's never look to our left or right. Come on, that's the worst possible thing we can do. Let's not look at somebody else and what they have and wish we, want, we would have what they have. We've all probably done that. We've looked at somebody else in a stage of life they're in and thought, oh, if I could just be where they are. But we, we don't consider the sacrifices they made in order to be where they are today. We just want what God is asking us to do. 
Matthew 6 reminds us to seek God's kingdom first. Jesus is having a whole conversation around the birds and the, and, and the, and the lilies in the field. You know, they're clothed and they're taken care of. The sparrows are taken care of by the Heavenly Father. You know, what you eat, what you drink, you know, what you wear, all of these things God will take care of if you put his kingdom first. Seek first his kingdom and all its righteousness and all of these things, all of these things that we, we need, the things that, that matter, the things that are important for sustaining basic life. God says, I'll take care of that, but you put me first. You put me first in everything and I will take care of all of that. It's tempting at a young age to want to have the nice house and all the mod cons. You might even leave your parents' house and go, oh, I'd like all of that. But actually, they didn't stay in that house, probably. They might have stayed in that little one-bedroom flat. They might have had to eat baked beans and and toast on some, some days because that's what they needed to do in order to save to get the deposit to get that house. Come on. I think for some of us, we, we, we want to be further down the journey than we actually are. Amy and I, we made that mistake about 12 years ago. We, we were in a, in a small home. We owned it in a bigger home. You know, we wanted to host people. You know, the, part of the motive was, was good. You know, but we ended up going out and renting while owning this, and we should have just stayed where we were. You know, done the work. You know, worked on the mortgage. And, you know, since then, we've made much better decisions than that. But I think the temptation is to want to be somewhere before we actually get there. So let's focus on where we're supposed to be running and trust God. You may feel backwards, but this level of humility, the step back, puts you in a position to progress towards your leap. So have that focus on your dream. And maybe today or over this week, talk to God. What am I going to focus on? What's my focus on for this next season when it comes to my finances? And then lastly, we've got a leap. If the team can come now. Uh, each step forward is significant that we take, but there's a point where we have to take that leap. And our finances to move forward, to see breakthrough, we sometimes need to leap into the unknown. This morning, I want to close with a parable that Jesus told. He spoke about, uh, about a, a kingdom principle. And he s- says about the kingdom, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to, to another two, to, to another one, he, to each according his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. You know, the talent was like a, um, it was like a, a, a weight, a measure, you know, but it was a value. So 33 kilos was the, the weight of a talent. So when they were talking about a talent, they were talking about a, 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 an amount of money. Now, some would say, well, maybe I've only got one talent. Well, you know what a talent was worth? $1.4 million in today's currency. So you might say, well, I've only, <laughs> I've only got a, one talent. This is what Stephen Furtick said. Well, <laughs> still a million. I, I, don't know, I don't know what a million's worth to you. Would, would, would that, you know, that might be pocket change for some of you. A million would change most of our worlds forever. So God has given us enough to do something that could change not only our lives, but somebody else's. And you might have one million, you might have two million, you might have five million. I'm not saying line up for your check for a million. But God's saying what you've got is enough to go and do something with. Notice the the man with five went immediately. It says immediately he went. 
He got underway straight away. Didn't muck around. He just got going. Received the instruction, off he went. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. He went and did the same. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Them. I find it interesting that Jesus said after a long time. Because too many times we're trying to make, make a, a quick buck. Too, too many times we're thinking, oh, he's this, this is the scheme. All those schemes, they promise the world, don't they? You know, if I can just do this, I'll do this quickly and I'll, I'll, I'll get the results I want. That doesn't happen very often. It happens with faithfulness, consistently turning up to work day in, day out. Nine, if your job's nine to five, turn up at quarter to nine and leave at quarter past five. You know, set a standard that says, I will do everything I do with excellence. Be wise with what we have. And you watch God lift you and promote you, put you into where you need to be as you're faithful in the little things. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. He doubled what he'd been given. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What I find fascinating is that one who had five and one who had two, the master said exactly the same thing to both. You know, well done, good and faithful servant with the five. Well done, good and faithful servant with the two. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of one if he went and made his one. I'm certain of it. Some people want the five talents. Five talents times 33 kilos. That's a lot of, lot of talent to carry. A lot of weight to carry. God will give you what you can carry. God will give you what you're able. And, and we need to be okay with what God gives us and then double it. Because you know what? If that person who had two became four, if he went and doubled it again, he's worth eight. Then the one with eight becomes 16. See, it doesn't take much to double up, does it? When we're faithful with what we've been given. But then there's the other man. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. I don't want to hear that. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't like hearing these verses much. This is reality. All God's asking us to do is what we have. Do with what we have. Do something five. The third servant buried his million, thinking that that would be the wise thing to do. The principle here is we double or nothing. We double what we've been given or it gets taken away from us. 
And, and it's, this is, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting we all go out and gamble, right? Just, just so you're aware of this. But the principle, you wonder if this is even where the, the phrase came from. That we're to double what God has given us. Whatever it is. If it's one, if it's two, if it's five, if it's ten. Take what we've got. Be faithful with it. And then present it back to God. And He says, here, I'll give you some more. Here, I'll give you some more. Here, I'll give you some more. But it's important that we understand because it's time to take a leap what we do with that. And I believe the two leaps that we need to take is a leap of stewardship and a leap of generosity. Because the leap of stewardship says, in my increase, I acknowledge that, God, you've provided all of this. Stewardship says, God, you get my first, you get my best. The Bible says to bring a tithe into the storehouse. We can test God in this. That, that, that if we are faithful with bringing our first and our best to God, He will pour out a blessing. Enough that we can't contain. Meaning, it's, there's so much that I can't use it on myself. It flows out. It's like, I can't keep all of this. I've got to give some of it away. That's the kind of stewardship I want is that I've got so much that I still want to be wise with it. I've got more than I need. I've got to give it to somebody else. That act of stewardship is saying, God, I'm going to trust you that everything that I have is yours. And maybe you've never trusted God with a tithe, with the first fruits. You're saying, well, I don't know if I can give up 10% of my budget. It's really tight as it is. Can I encourage you? Find a dollar this week. Sow that in faith. Give up one thing this week. Say, God, I'm going to trust you with my first and my best. And then the next week, can you find some more? Can you find some more? Why? Because God needs your money? Yeah, He does. Because your heart's attached to it. If he, gets, if he gets your money, he gets your heart. And when you settle the lordship issue, that Jesus is Lord of your life, the stewardship issue will follow. Let's put our hope and our trust in a God who knows all of our needs. Now, in my life, after tithing all of my life, I've, I've given God my first and my best. I, I don't know what it's like to miss out on that 10%. It doesn't even feature for me because it, it goes out before, it, before it's even mine, if you know what I mean. And I could like I do with the 90. That is the truth. God has provided a moments that I would not have even thought He could. And He surprised us in so many moments with provision as we've just faithfully, and in difficult times, times where it was so tight, but we trusted God. Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone would go into debt in order to do this, but find a way to give God your first and your best. And you watch what He does. Second area is to take a leap of generosity. See, we can't, be good, we can't be generous people if we're not first good stewards. But once we make good decisions and once God brings us increase, what will we do with it? Will I spend it on myself? Will I spend it just for myself? Or will there be so much you know, that my heart says I want to give to somebody else? What happens when you've got enough and, and, you, and you don't need any extra? You get to give it away. You get to bless somebody else. I had a, had a cool, cool moment where I didn't, you know, I heard of a need that somebody had and a particular um, monetary amount. I didn't have the means right there and then, but really wanted to help, really wanted to do something. It was like, I didn't need it to spend on myself, but it was the exact amount that this person needed. And anonymously, I was able to just kind of, boop, you know, I received it, passed it on. I didn't need it. This person did. God knew in the big picture you know, he's taking care of his kids and sometimes he just, he can just 
You know, Robert Morris says, if, if, if God can get it to me or through me, he'll get it to me. So if, if it comes in and it goes out, if I'm not going in, oh, let's spin it on Mike. No, I'm not saying you, you, know, you can't have a car or a house. You know, I, I, I don't believe it, all of that. But I, I do believe that if we're just spending our money on ourselves and we're not thinking bigger, we're not thinking of building a tower so that others might benefit from it, then we can miss the mark. So I want to encourage us to take a leap Take a leap, and maybe it is saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my tithe. I'm going to trust you with my first and my best. And maybe you are in a position where actually you've got access. Ask God what you could do with it. Maybe it is to invest it into a, into a, into a business, to, to, to do something wise financially. But let's not do it. Let's not spend it on ourselves, just ourselves. Let's look at ways to be generous with what God's given us. Sound like a good challenge? Well, as we close this morning, I, I, I want to give us all an opportunity. You know, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here many times. Every week we, we do church for one main reason. Because we believe that, that God wants to save every human being. Anyone that's far from Him can have a moment to connect with God again. The Bible tells us that God created us on purpose. That purpose is to walk in relationship, caused a separation between God and man. God set up a rescue plan. He said to his son, Jesus, would you go and, and live amongst humanity? Would you die a death that you don't even deserve on a cross, a painful and cruel death, so that humanity could be right with me again? That's exactly what Jesus did. When he died on the cross, his death was once for, for then, for now, and for all times. And if you're here today and you recognize that your sin has separated you from your relationship with God. And today, God, you know, your heart's kind of beating going, I know I've got to respond here. Just be brave and respond. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer as well, to ask God to forgive you of your sins, to be able to take a step back in relationship with Him, receive the gift of salvation. So with every head bowed, I close. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living. I ask you to forgive me. I choose to follow you. With every head bowed, eye closed. Would you do one more brave thing for me? There's just a couple of people that will, will be looking around the auditorium. Would you raise your hand in just a minute to say, yeah, I prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe coming back to God. You made a commitment. We want to get alongside you and help you on your journey. Take your next step. It's coming right across this place. One, God loves you. Two, he's got a plan for your life. Three, awesome, down in the middle. That's brilliant, amazing. Anyone else this morning saying yes? Yes to Jesus. Thank you. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place, God. Lord, will we be faithful with what you've given us? Lord, will we uh, be wise? But Lord, will we also take that leap of faith knowing that you're calling us to it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks.